You see it in, in the young people today especially who have grown up more disconnected from any kind of objective morality and truth than I think anyone has for at least a very, very long time. And they're at some level crying out inside themselves, give me something real. And against that backdrop, Jesus is saying, I am the truth. That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Camas, Washington, and this is Contemplate. I'm Ron Hagelgans. Glad you're listening to part six in our series, Who is Jesus? A question that has been asked for centuries is, what is truth? And maybe one of the reasons you're listening today is because you're asking that very same question yourself. Well, today, Pastor David will help answer that question through an encounter between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. Please get out your Bibles as we join Pastor David with part six of Who is Jesus? recorded live at Acts Church. I don't know what he was thinking. I'm not sure what was going on in his mind. The Bible doesn't tell us. Maybe he thought, Nighttime would be the best time to get Jesus alone for a little one-on-one conversation. Maybe he was so busy in his duties in the Sanhedrin all day, and this was the only time he could get away. We don't know. Maybe he was afraid of what the other Jewish leaders and the other people would think of him. Either way, he came to Jesus at night. His name was Nicodemus, and he was a man of the Pharisees, a ruler of the Jews. And now, Jesus Christ had come on the scene that week, that feast week, that Passover week, and, and he had caused a ruckus. He had made a whip with cords and, and, started, and started doing his thing and, and chasing out the money changers and the people who were selling animals, and he's taking the money, the money changers, he's pouring it on the ground, he's turning their tables over, and, and, and he's got this zeal for the temple, right? I mean, this guy is serious, and, and he's done signs and wonders, and the people in Jerusalem are starting to believe in him, and clearly Nicodemus has seen this. He's seen this. And so we read in, uh, right after this, this uh, event in the temple and Jesus and the signs and wonders, we read this. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, We know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So Jesus gets directly to the point, right? No, no niceties. It's not, hey, Nick, how's your mom and them? Which is what we would say in Tennessee. If you've, if you've been there, you know that's how it is. And down there in the south, I, I realized very early on that a lot of people thought that I was really rude. Me. Right? I mean, I know that's hard to imagine that I ever could be, but they thought that I was really rude because here's the deal. Before you begin any conversation, just 
put this, write this down. Before you begin any conversation in the South, in Tennessee, Alabama, a place like that, you have to make nice first, okay? You have to be like, hey, how's your family? How's your mom? How's your week been? Boy, this weather's been hot. Bless your heart. All that kind of stuff, okay? You have to do all of that before you can say, I'll have a Big Mac and a large fry. I'm saying, even that person, right? Even the person at the McDonald's, where, the store, wherever, whoever you meet, wherever you're around, people calling on the phone, you gotta do this whole make nice thing before you can talk, okay? And of course, when you say I'll have a Big Mac and a Coke, there's a whole other thing where they call all pop Coke, and so you have to say, I'll have a Coke, and then they'll say, what kind of Coke? And then you'll say Pepsi. It's a weird thing that they do. I'm serious, that's the way they do it there, okay? Don't say pop, they'll think you're weird. Um, anyway, we don't see Jesus make nice here with Nicodemus. He gets right to the point. Jesus is clearly not from Tennessee, but listen, don't tell a Tennessean that. They'll, they'll freak out, okay? But the Bible says Jesus answered him. Jesus answered him, okay? Now the Greek word here for answer means answer, Right? It means that there's a question that's been done, or at least that you're replying, you're saying something to what's just been said. And so the question is, what was the question that Nicodemus asked? He said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now that sentence ends with a period, not a question mark. So why is Jesus answering him? Well, we can only tell what Jesus thinks the question is by the answer that he gives. And this is what he says. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, the word most assuredly here is literally amen, amen in the Greek. And it just means for sure, verily, verily, truly, truly. This is the truth. You need to understand. I'm saying it twice because it's twice as nice. You got to understand this is the truth, what I'm saying. Okay? Unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You cannot see it. Jesus cuts right to the heart of Nicodemus' heart of the question, and he's saying, this is what you must do, you must be born again. He's answering Nicodemus and telling him, because Nicodemus is clearly saying, look, you're from God, so give me the answer. And Jesus is saying, before you even get started, let me just tell you this, you ain't getting there without being born again. Now, Nicodemus is obviously taken back by the words of Jesus, he replies with something ridiculous. You mean I'm supposed to go back in my mama, right? Like, like, I'm supposed to somehow get back in her tummy and come out again. Now, I don't know how large of a man Nicodemus was, but if you've seen my mom, I ain't getting back in her tummy, okay? Um, I could probably fit two of her in my tummy. So it's not happening, right? And, and I think that Nicodemus here is being a bit coy. I think it's a little silly. Clearly, Jesus was not talking about literally being physically reborn again. But Jesus doesn't necessarily come at him and rebuke him for it. But he gives him the answer. He lays it out. He says, listen, that which is born of the flesh, what you did when you came out of your mama and you were born, that's being born of the flesh. But what's born of the spirit is spirit, Right? Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again, because something's got to happen here. Now, why? Why? We're, we're in this uh, study on who is Jesus. What is Jesus saying about himself in John 3 in this moment here? Well, let's, let's come back to exactly what he means by you must be born again, and let's, let's drop to John 14, 6, and, and, and let's take this very important, fundamental, powerful saying that Jesus tells us about himself. In John 14, 6, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He, he says three things about himself, that he's the way, that he's the truth, and that he's the life. Now, what does he mean? 
That's the important part. What does he mean about this? Well, let's start with Jesus is the way. Okay, let's talk about what he means by I am the way. Some people think that uh, God lives in Albuquerque. Okay, um, not really actually in Albuquerque, but that God is in a place that's something like being on a map. Okay, I looked at a map to, from here to Albuquerque. I got a picture of it here. You can take a look at it. Uh, and, and I started to count the ways from here to Albuquerque. Okay, the roads that I could take, um, the ways that I could get there. And I realized there's an untold number of ways for me to get from here to Albuquerque. Not only in my car, but I can take a plane. I can ride a train. I can take a pogo stick. It, I can get to Albuquerque a hundred, a million ways. And they would all, in the end, get me to Albuquerque. There are many, many possible routes. There are a lot of ways to get to Albuquerque. But people treat God like that. They think they can just pick a route and a method and get to God. Right? There are a lot of different philosophies out there, a lot of different uh, lifestyles, a lot of different spiritualities, and many of them claim that they'll get you to a God, right? They'll get you to, to what you're looking for, to ultimate purpose, to all of those kinds of things. They say, go this way, go that way, right? Um, and, and, and people will just say, look, take your path. Take your path. Live your truth. Have you heard that? Live your truth. And we'll all meet in Albuquerque in the end. Right? They don't literally say Albuquerque. I added that part. But the point is, we're all going to get to the same place. You live your truth. I live my truth. You do your thing. I do my thing. They're all just different paths. Some take longer. Some go the scenic route. Some are direct. But they're all just going to the same place. And we're all going to meet God in Albuquerque at the end of the day. And the problem is, is that Jesus is coming against that. Straight up, in this moment, in this place, he's saying, I am the way. No one comes to the Father but by me. You can't just pick any path and be basically good, whatever that means. I think it means I'm not Hitler. I think that's basically what people mean by basically good. If I can find somebody who I think is worse than I'm basically good, so I'll do that, and then I'll just kind of pick a path, spiritual, non-spiritual, whatever, and we're all going to end up in Albuquerque in the end. And Jesus says, no, no, there's no many ways. I am the only way. I am the way. In fact, the early Christians were known as the way. Not a way, the way. And the, the, the people who kind of do the many ways to Albuquerque thing, they don't like that. They don't like that there's one way. Okay? The, in fact, many people bristle at the, at the very notion, at the very idea that you would ever say that anyone's ideas or choice of beliefs or lifestyle could be excluded as a wrong way. That you would say that there are some things that actually aren't good, that aren't right, that aren't going to Albuquerque, that aren't the right thing to do. That you could say that there are some people who just bristle at that idea, at the very notion of it. And some people get mad at Christians because Christians claim to follow the one true way. They say, no, I follow the one true way. That's why I'm so serious about it. And people get mad at Christians about that. But here's the thing. They need not to get mad at Christians about that, but to take that issue up with Jesus Christ because it's a truth claim that he made about himself. We're just repeating it. Right? Of course, here's the thing. The truth is everybody believes that their way is the only way. Everybody does. Okay? Even the claim that all roads lead to God is an exclusive claim. It excludes all claims that say only one road leads to God. It excludes all claims that say, well, these five roads lead to God and these ten don't. It excludes everything other than the idea that all 
ways lead to God. And the problem is for the person who wants to be uh, kind of pushing this agenda, we'll all meet in Albuquerque in the end. Those people have a real problem because a lot of these ways are completely contradictory to one another. Right? They say completely different things. And they cannot be contradictory and all be right. Uh, just like two plus two can't be four and five at the same time. It's either four or it's five. Right? It's four for those of you who are, <clears throat> I don't want you to think too hard. I want you to be able to keep paying attention. So it's four. Um, Jesus knows this, right? He knows this, that there, that there is their contradictory claims and they can't all be right. And, and he says, listen, I'm making this very clear statement. I am the way. I'm the only way. That God provides the only path, that Jesus is God, and is the only way to God, and no one comes to the Father but by him. And our pluralistic society can rally against that all they want. They can say, tolerance, tolerance, and I'm all for that. We shouldn't hurt each other because we believe different things. But, but do not ask me to throw away the rules of logic so that I can say something that's nonsense, like all roads lead to heaven. Okay? I recommend that these folks who, who want to push that so hard, that, that are so enlightened, that they go maybe take a trip down to the West Bank. Maybe go tell a Jew and a Muslim that they're so silly and that their grandparents and parents have been fighting and dying all this time for nothing. If they'd just be more enlightened, they'd see that they're both saying exactly the same thing. Let me tell you, that would not go well. Because there's one thing that all of us, okay, everyone who thinks really seriously about logic and reason and science and the rules of the universe, everybody who does that, they generally come to the same truth about this statement that Jesus has made, this statement where he says, I'm the way. People who have done the work in science and philosophy and so on, they all think the same thing. They think this, it's either true or it's false. It's not one of many possible truths. It is completely exclusive, and therefore it's either true or it's false. Okay? The idea that it's one of many possible truths is actually just nonsense. And it doesn't matter how good it makes us feel about ourselves to say, all roads lead to Albuquerque. That may make you feel good. That may make it easier. That may make it so that there's less conflict or less difficulty with your brothers and sisters. And look, I'm all for, you know, peace, and I'm all for working together, and I'm all for all those things, but I'm not all for lying in order to get there. Now, there's a logical axiom, a claim uh, that is self-evidently true, okay? Uh, it's called the law of non-contradiction. And the law of non-contradiction goes like this. It says, two or more statements that contradict each other cannot both be true in the same way at the same time, okay? You can't have multiple statements that contradict each other all being true in the same way at the same time. It can't happen. Can't happen. So it, when, when Hamlet's sitting there and he's, and he's doing his thing and he's, and he's asking the question, he says, to be... Or not to be. Was that good? You like that? All right, good. Thank you. All right. I'm going to work on that. He doesn't say to be and not to be because that wouldn't make any sense. Because Hamlet knows, like you know, like Jesus knows, that two things that are opposite of each other can't exist at the same time in the same way at the same place. And so we have been culturally programmed to think that all everything can be both and, especially when it comes to morality, philosophy, and religion. Instead of either or, but the problem is, is that as much as we might want that to be true, it's not. And Jesus knows that truth because Jesus is the truth and he cares about the truth. And he says straight up, I am the way. 
No one comes to the Father but by me. And that statement is put out there for you and I to do something about, to accept it, to reject it. But he states it clearly, I am the way. He doesn't leave room for analogies about blind men feeling elephants, if you've ever heard that one, and things like that. He doesn't leave any room for that. And so if you believe that all roads lead to Albuquerque, you are actually disagreeing with science and logic, but you're also disagreeing with somebody very important. You're disagreeing with Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way. And the statement is there in red letters for every human being to make a decision about. And that was on purpose. That was on purpose. He said it and he verified it through the miracles and through the giving of his life for us and rising from the dead. So when he says something about himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he proves it out by showing that he's God and he has the power to show that those things are true. So one thing he did not do is leave any doubt about what he was claiming about himself. He didn't leave any doubt about that. Jesus is the way. He also says, I am the truth. Jesus is the truth. Now, when Jesus comes in before Pilate, okay, he comes in before Pilate, the Jews have delivered him up. And Pilate says to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Right? Pilate calls him over. He says, are you the king of the Jews? Here's Jesus, been, been delivered to him by his own people. And what follows is extraordinary. Let's look at uh, John 18. 34 through the first part of 38, and says this. Jesus answered him, are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly, that I am a king. For this cause, I was born. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? People have never stopped asking this question that Pilate asks here. What is truth? And our whole culture right now is, is asking this question in a thousand ways. And we're running in a thousand directions. And the more we run from the truth, the more we suffer and the more we see it. And the darker it gets. We don't like people claiming things about truth. And here's the reason why. Because we don't like the cost of the effects that the people who claim to know the truth have caused. Okay? In the, the philosophers and the scientists of the Enlightenment, they told us something. They said, listen, listen to us. We're going to solve the world's problems. We're going to create a utopia because people are super smart. And through reason, we're going to walk forward and usher in this incredible world of utopia. You don't need God. We don't need any of that. We need science and reason. And boy, are we smart. Right? They're saying, we now know the truth. And we're really going to create this society that's perfect. That was the truth brokers for several hundred years. 
what they were telling the world. And then we got into the 20th century. Here we are, the industrial revolution. We're dawning on this new age. Is everything going to get good? And then we threw away any notions that these guys had any idea what they were talking about when World War I came. And we started killing everybody. And then if there was any doubt remaining, it left when World War II came. The idea that we're so smart that we're going to usher in this incredible existence, this utopia, that we're going to create it. All these people telling us that they knew the truth, and they still do. They say, we know the truth, follow us, we'll tell you what to do. And we see the, the sexism and the racism and the brutality and the genocide, and we go, whatever you're saying is truth, I reject that. And now we're, now we're lost. We're rudderless out in the sea saying there is no truth, just like Pilate said 2,000 years ago. There's no truth. What do we do? What do we do? And yet at the same time, we're, we're just yearning inside. You see it in, in the young people today especially who have grown up more disconnected from any kind of objective morality and truth than I think anyone has for at least a very, very long time. And they're at some level crying out inside themselves, give me something real. And against that backdrop, Jesus is saying, I am the truth. See, Pilate knew. Why is he asking what's truth? Because just like the people today, it was the same story for him. He was a Roman, a powerful Roman. They had their philosophers and the wisdom of the Greeks. It was the same story. We're going to figure it all out. Look how smart we are. Look, whatever. And he knew that it was all a disaster and a disappointment and a bunch of nonsense. Pilate knew that like so many know it today. It's all upside down. Here's this good person, Jesus Christ, in front of Pilate, who he knows is innocent, and the bad person is telling the good person he's going to be executed. The world is upside down. Pilate knows it, and so he, so he cries out, what is truth? What is truth? And yet Jesus was saying something very real when he said, I am the truth. He's saying, there is a truth, and I am it. You will stumble over yourselves to find a way around it, to find a way to think y'all are the truth, to find a way to think anything is the truth, to make little gods in your own broken image to try to suppress the truth. You'll try to go all around, but when you run out of places to go, you'll turn back and you'll find that the whole time what's been true is that I am the truth. That's what Jesus is saying to us there so you want to live like God doesn't really care what you do or what you think in the dark. And so you try to push away the truth, and then you get confused, and you say, what is truth? But the whole time, he's been right there saying, I am the truth. In John 1, 1 through 5, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I'm talking about the Son here. We're talking about Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Jesus is the word. Jesus is God. Nothing was made without him. Every truth is his truth. He is the truth. The very laws of nature are his. He is the ultimate reality. There is nothing and no one more real than God. There is nothing and no one more real than Jesus Christ. He is the definition of reality. There is nothing more actual, factual, and real 
than Jesus Christ. What is truth? According to Google, it's that which is true or in accordance with fact or reality, and there's nothing more in accordance. There's nothing more in accordance with fact or reality than Jesus Christ, through whom all reality we know was made. There's one truth, Jesus Christ, and there's people all over the world today, and they're crying out inside, is there any truth? That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Camas, Washington, with part six in our series, Who is Jesus? Here on Contemplate. People all over the world are searching for meaning and purpose in their lives, some truth to hold on to and make life worth living. Well, as we've seen today, that truth is Jesus. And in our next podcast, Pastor David will continue this series and give us more insights into the truth of Jesus, and you won't want to miss it. Now, if you'd like more information about Axe Church, you'll find us online at axecamus.org. There you'll find directions and all the info you need to visit us here at Axe Church this Sunday morning. Again, that's Axe Camus, Camus with a C, axecamus.org, or call 360-885-9000. That's 360-885-9000. Finally, would you like to have real joy and hope in your life? Don't miss our next podcast. I'm Ron Hagelgans. Hope you'll listen in for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.